right, y'all, welcome to Inside Abode. Before we get started with our guest today, I would like to invite you to listen to more content. Hit the subscribe button. There's plenty to listen to. All right, and today with us, we have a special guest, uh, and I'm just going to let you go ahead and just introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. My name is Janet Fan, originally from Tukwila and Tacoma, and I know Dave Jones here through uh, Stadium High School during his Stadium High School days. Yeah, I mean, when you say that, people are, like, starting to see this theme of, like, me having former students on, and that's okay, like, because you guys are all doing cool stuff, so that's why you're on, but... Um, so you went to, so you're from, or at least you're, you spent time in Tacoma. Tell us about right. your time at, you were at Stadium High School. That's mm-hmm. where I've met you. Mm-hmm. And were you always at Stadium High School? Cause you said Tukwila. Um, uh, yeah. So I w- grew up in the Tukwila school district until I was about 15. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, they decided to do the Puget Sound, the light rail through my parents' house. And then we moved down to, uh, Tacoma okay. and then I finished my 10th through 12th grade years at Stadium High School. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. 10th through 12th grade years. Mm-hmm. And so your experience in Tacoma schools, do you feel like they pre- prepared you? Like, do you feel like your stadium years were helpful for you at that time? The support that I received from Stadium High School and the Tacoma School District, uh, I believe, was very helpful. I had. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the principal, the vice principal, um, staff like yourself, and um, a, a mentor of mine um, to help navigate me through this U.S. crazy education system, which my parents, uh, who are immigrants from Vietnam, are not okay. familiar with. So it was, it was very helpful, um, you know, being involved with sports every season, mm-hmm. extracurricular activities, um, keeping up my grades, um, being on student council. Um, it like what I learned being at stadium is like the busier you are, um, the more you're you're gonna stay on top of yeah. what you need to do because then you don't have time to kind of j- to sit around. Right, right. So that did prepare me a lot, and that's a lot of how I operate today. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you, yes, it is. So what do you do today, just to get fill people in? Today, wow, uh, a few things. Um, the primary source of income, I would say, is uh, so I am the EMEA leader, which stands for Europe, Middle East, Africa leader for platform implementation. So my background is in information systems. Okay, hold up, hold up, hold up. Can you say that in English, please, for the people who are listening? Uh, yes, yes. Okay, <laughs> so my background's in uh, technology. Okay. Uh, I yeah. um, got my degree, my master's in information systems from the University of Washington. Go Huskies! Go okay. um, and then, so shortly after that, I went into technology consulting. So that's where I am going to different clients who have technology needs or challenges, I come in as a third party to assess and advise them on their technology strategy. Okay. And so, and that was back in 2013. And since... And that's, sorry to cut, mm -hmm. but that's, just so I understand, that's technology, not necessarily online or internet? Correct. Okay. So technology is, oh, like, it's a breadth uh, of things. Right. Internet is uh, definitely one of them. Mobile devices, infrastructure, right. 
architecture of the mm -hmm. infrastructure, architecture of your mobile devices, mm -hmm. cybersecurity, um, man, a, a whole suite yeah, of yeah, things. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. So then, um, so since since then, since 2013, I worked with um, big clients uh, around the U.S. or around the Seattle area, mm -hmm. out in Redmond. We can't really say the name of our clients. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. And then I started working on a global program, where that was also with platform implementation. If so, okay. if you think about a platform, it's um, more or less a web application that's made to run a business, and then you have to work with developers to develop it. Okay. You have to work with the infrastructure people to build the infrastructure to put that web application on the servers Got in the it. cloud. And then you have to work with the legal folks to make sure that the platform is in um, r within regulation for that specific territory that you're working with. So. I mean, in my mid-20s, I was already working with um, some clients overseas, so in Belgium, mm -hmm. in South Africa, mm -hmm. um, Sweden, France, and Switzerland. Wow. Mm-hmm. Kind of accomplished for a uh, mid-20s. <laughs> yeah. no, so <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come from college, high school. But no, so really, I th and then that, lead, that led you to now, so going back to your current position, you are doing what exactly so I today I work out of Switzerland um, and driving digital transformation for them so everyone's going okay. through digital transformation everyone meaning all companies in Switzerland uh, and around the globe oh, okay got everyone because yep. uh, technology is changing very rapidly right. I mean even look at your mobile devices yep. like six months ago it's very old yeah so um, I'm working with them on how do we incorporate robotics process automation, which is RPA for short. It's another mm -hmm. type of technology, data visualization tools, mm -hmm. like um, when you have charts. Yep. You know how do you how do you make your data that's in those raw spreadsheets comprehensive for the people that you're presenting the data right. to and right. telling the story. Uh, so those are some of the more basic concepts. The other uh, emerging technologies which we're working on is mm -hmm. artificial intelligence, machine mm -hmm. learning, um, and of course the old school app development uh, to put those on as a platform. Right. So what do I do uh, when I talk about um, implementing platforms to different countries? So right now I'm the leader for, um, again, Europe, Middle East, and Africa, and working with countries within those regions to implement mm -hmm. this platform okay. holistically from yeah. the technology, legal, data protection, uh, and change management pieces. So the adoption of the tool um, for the people who are using it inside those countries. Okay. Yeah, that's a lot. But I, I'm following you, though. I'm following you. I have one question, um, and I think I've probably asked you this. Um, what do you think about where is AI at right now? So artificial intelligence, where is it at as far as like on a broad scale mm -hmm. for people using it just in everyday life? So, for example, when I pick up my, you know, like I pick up most people won't think about it. But like when you pick up your phone and mm -hmm. your, your maps tells you, oh, it's 15 minutes to get home because they assume you're going home because you do this same thing at the same time every day. So but, that's um, that's not my that's... space of expertise, but um, my personal opinion on uh, artificial intelligence is that it's um, that is also an an ever evolving technology mm -hmm. within itself because as 
as it picks up on more and more data and as it learns more about its environment, it's going to become smarter and smarter. So um, there are different schools of thought on, you know, their people's position on AI, whether it's going to take over and people are Mm -hmm. scared of it or some people really want to leverage it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I appreciate it when my Gmail is telling me that, hey, maybe you should they already tell me what sentence I should be writing right. before I write it. So, <laughs> sure. I mean, I love it. It makes things more efficient. Yeah. But I think you can't just think about AI on its own. Right. And it right. has to be coupled with, like, how do, how, how do we use it in the business? And, you know, are the businesses and the governance set up in a way that will regulate it to protect the people? Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. No, that makes sense. Um, and so was, has has this been a field that you were always interested in? Because like when you were a senior and I was the advisor, like it didn't, I don't know if you were, in, well, we didn't really have tech at that time anyway. We were so, we weren't as far along as we are from a tech piece or a tech, technology standpoint. But when did, when did technology become like part of your thing? Was that in college? Yes. So, so you're right. I mean, I graduated in 2004 from high school and uh, I was very into future business leaders of America and mm-hmm. I knew I was going to go into business. But it wasn't until college I had a professor who did had his own technology consulting company and okay. said, hey, Janet, you should go into this because there aren't very many women in this field and this is going to be the next big thing. And I was thinking as he was telling me that, Man, I don't even know how to oh, like turn on my own computer, <laughs> let alone right. like be in information systems. Right. So thankfully for him, he told shared with me how he navigated it when he was in college. He did an internship at Warehouser, which he, they used to be in our backyard, right in Federal yep. Way. Now yep. they're in Pioneer Square, and I had an in, IT internship um, at Warehouser, okay. and that really jump started my career because I was picked up by an amazing mentor, Joseph Peck, who is still my mentor today. Oh, okay, cool. And he gave me a great experience, meaning that he carved out his statement of work that he needed to deliver to his boss, and mm-hmm. he gave it to me. And it was an internet redesign. So imagine um, having a, a content management system. So going from free flow for, for the marketing side, the, the legal side, the communication side, the business side, mm-hmm. everyone having their own look and feel to now having a consistent look and yep. feel um, so that people within the company know that they're still navigating within that. Right. So that was my job as an intern to convert all of these businesses, have it live and in production. And mm-hmm. some of them I had to convince for them to right. convert and train them how to use the content management system. So what I realized about myself in that was, you know, maybe it's not technology that I like, but I love the people. I yep. love yep. teaching people. And I'm able to quickly pick up on the technology and understand it. Mm-hmm. But the, my value is not only picking up on the technology and mm-hmm. explaining it, but um, working with the business so that they understand. Yep. And that's crazy that you you say that because a lot of people don't know what their true value is until mm-hmm. like, damn, I'm still figuring out what my value is, to mm-hmm. be honest, or what my superpower is, I guess, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people don't figure that out for a really long time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the fact that you just said that you were, that's what you reflected on, you figured that out as an intern, mm-hmm. like, 
that sets <laughs> you way ahead of the game just because you could recognize your own skill set because everyone may want to be doing something that they maybe shouldn't be doing or don't want to do or that might not be their superpower. I don't know. And it's I think that's an important piece that I encourage our listeners to reflect upon often and every day mm-hmm. until they figure out what that is because until you figure out what your value is you might get pulled into different right. things that may not be your thing or be pushed into uh, encouraged to be mm-hmm. into areas that they shouldn't be in for example even with technology consulting i work with a very traditional firm and as a consultant to be on the partner track they say oh you need to specialize in this area or this area or this area of technology and i tell them i don't need to specialize in any area of technology my specialty is being able to pick up on any of these technology and be able to implement it Mm -hmm. to the business right because there's, the, you can understand all the technology you want, but if you can't implement it or work with people, exactly, then it really doesn't so really like, matter. That it cannot can that be my specialty than right. to make it partner? But you know they're just so traditional. Then I think about okay, well maybe then being a partner for this particular firm isn't the right thing for me. Right. But I would not have known that unless I know the value that I can add. Right. And what I enjoy doing. Right. No, that makes total sense. So, what is your passion then? My passion is... You can wait for that question. <laughs> you can wait. Very simple. It's people and helping people. Everything uh-huh. that we do touch people. We wake up and we feel as if we're part of things and part of something because of the people that are around us, whether it's people who inspire us to be better, mm. uh, who we re- really respect, or people we... Um, empower and and train to make them right. even better than ourselves. Right. And I think all of those aspects around people um, is, is definitely my passion. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I could have guessed that, I think. I think I could have guessed that. Because like, <laughs> when you asked, I was like, I don't want to, I want to, I want to wait to hear it. <laughs> so I think, I think I had it. I had you pegged. I, I, had, it, I had it right. Um, and so, in your experience, so I think one of the interesting questions that I've always wanted to ask, and I think I've asked about this, maybe not, but um, you've you say you've worked in all these different countries. Mm-hmm. Like, what is the what is the work culture like? Say where you're at right now in Switzerland mm-hmm. versus here mm-hmm. um, in the United States. Have you seen any big difference as far as how people work and or like traditions or culture or uh, customs of the workplace environment or corporation from where you're at now to like the US? Absolutely. So when I first moved to Switzerland, I was, everything was just moving so slowly for me. Mm -hmm. Switzerland um, is a decision by consensus country and culture. So they want to make sure everybody's okay with the decision before a decision is made. And Mm -hmm. even then you have to push them over the finish line and say, okay, is that the decision yeah. now? Yeah. And who owns this decision? And that's and, not a bad thing necessarily. But it, it takes a long it takes time, time. yeah. Right, and a lot of overhead, whereas in the U.S., it's like, okay, 
Dave wants to go do this video shoot and he wants to do it at the stadium and all right, let's go do it. And if it doesn't work out, cool, then we'll figure it out and see how we can do it better next yeah, time. Yeah. But th- we have a fail fast culture in the U.S. that I can appreciate. Mm-hmm. And we also have this like drive and um, risk taking mm-hmm. mentality. Yeah. For the ones that are our drivers, but in in Switzerland, even though the even the the drivers, the they are very apprehensive to to make a decision. So that's Europe. But I can also appreciate the amount of respect people have for each other mm-hmm. holistically there mm-hmm. than people have for each other here in the U.S. Mm. So I go into the gym. I live currently in the Swiss French area in Geneva. Mm-hmm. And everybody just says hi to you. Hello, hmm. hello. They go, bonjour, bonjour. And they go, <laughs> yeah. bonsoir. At the end of the night, say good night, good night, yeah. even if they haven't talked to you. You go into like a 24-hour fitness or oh, LA yeah. fitness here. It's headphones. Oh, yeah. No one <laughs> cares. They see you, but they don't acknowledge yeah. you. So, um, yeah, you can you can appreciate that For quite sure. a bit. Something that I, I also notice a, a very slight detail, but huge, I think, for them is the moment food is on the table uh-huh. i feel like americans just they won't they won't go and eat it because they shouldn't they should wait for everyone else at the table but they'll start like messing with the mm-hmm. food on the plate right hey, i'm guilty yeah. yeah and there they will they will keep their arms on the table and they'll just keep talking to you and pretend they didn't see that plate of delicious food that's there i think it's like a. Yeah. uh like a discipline type mm-hmm. thing and it's uh i i thought i think that's, that's so cool, cool. yeah mm-hmm. that's interesting like to have different i've i've actually been thinking a lot about like not being in the country mm-hmm. because of the weight of slavery and the way that that like mm. our context or at least my context of living in america right now is especially with our leadership currently right now mm-hmm. like it's exacerbating the situation Mm -hmm. and so it makes it more of like a weight as opposed to like just going I just want to live and Mm -hmm. just not have like this context in the back or have to think about people's motives Mm -hmm. or think about race so much like it shouldn't be that way it should just be kind of like hey we're just here living exactly I don't know and so it feels like but in America it feels like I I don't have a choice but to address it like Mm -hmm. because it's like my experience so Mm -hmm. um, I don't know it's just been interesting I've been thinking a lot about like living overseas somewhere because Mm -hmm. I think you will still experience uh, a bit of it in Europe Mm -hmm. Um, it I mean it's it's fairly sterile there I work with um, a lot of people who look the same, Mm -hmm. same age, no hair. (laughs) So, but you know, that's not bad. It's just, they all look the same and they all have different personalities. Do you also think that might be your field too though? Oh, it's definitely my field. Yeah, I've experienced being in a room with older white men since my early twenties. And so this is a great segue into the next part, which is you have something else going on. Nope, not a book, but <laughs> <laughs> something else. What what else do you have going on? You have something else that you've been working on. Yeah, so because of um, my experience in these environments, not only in the U.S., but in my consulting in different countries, I had realized, wow, like there are not enough women mm-hmm. here. And 
you know, I grew up playing sports, lifting weights, doing CrossFit. So I'm around a lot of guys. Yeah. And that is like a comfortable environment for me. Mm-hmm. But it is not the, an, a comfortable environment for all young girls who are super smart. Right. I'm sure much smarter than me, but then could be intimidated to be always in a room of men who right. want to um, uh, Im- impose their ideas <laughs> on, on the table. And yeah. so, uh, and because of the mentoring that I received from my mentor when I was in high school, mm-hmm. that intern mentor, IT intern mentor that I had, and the abundance of them also at the Boeing company mm-hmm. and also now at PwC, um, I have, I realize like, you know, we need help and mm-hmm. I wouldn't have gotten to where I'm at today if it wasn't for them creating access and opportunities yeah. for me. Yeah. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, my, my parents are immigrants from Vietnam, so it was very difficult for them to navigate me through right. the U.S. Right. education system. So I, I would not, I, I definitely, I'm sure I would not be where I am today if it wasn't mm-hmm. for them. And it's a matter of... The, the access and opportunity, and it may seem like a simple concept, but if you find a very proactive student mm-hmm. who will take advantage of that opportunity and create opportunities out of those opportunities, right. you know, then that's that's golden for yep. them. Yep. That's all Absolutely. they needed. Yeah, and so that birthed. Yes, that birthed a nonprofit called <laughs> Thriving Elements. Um, So now our target are underrepresented girls who are in high school girls who are interested in science, technology, engineering and math. And our vision is that we um, develop and empower them so that they can make a sustainable impact in their communities so they can inspire the next generation of women leaders so that they that means they come back around after their mentees through the program and they come back mm-hmm. and be mentors yeah and yeah. so i remember when you first starting this and i was like are you crazy for one because it's not like you don't have a zillion other things going on but um just watching you navigate this and build it has been interesting because your mentors are all kind of all over the place mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so how does that work and how, how did you recruit the mentors for this thriving elements program uh, first it was uh, word of mouth and uh-huh. reaching out to my contacts people who told me hey once you actually start it let's do it and um, that was our first wave of mentors in the program in fall of 2016 okay um, and then from there the mentors in their first year had such a great experience then they would share with more people Mm -hmm. so I just I noticed as the cohorts grew each year I started being um, not knowing all of them as much because then it's like oh I found out from you from this about you from this person this person and oh I actually went online and so it's really great for me to hear because it's a very grassroots efforts Mm -hmm. I've never started a, a nonprofit before um, and I'm sure we're not even running it in the way that a typical nonprofit would. Right. Um, but, you know, my goal is to, when I told you that my passion was about people, mm-hmm. I read people very well. Right. So connecting the right people with each other mm-hmm. is, I think, my like my core. Like, I just love doing that so right. much. Right. Um, so that's what Thriving Elements, essentially, the core of it is, know getting the right 
people in the different science, technology, engineering, and math fields mm. with the students who are interested in these fields mm. and, and matching them up that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's cool. Have you have you run into barriers like doing this? And that, and I think I want people to understand who are listening. Like you're in Switzerland, you have a nonprofit in America. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you're running. Is this out of a uh, Foster Business School? Where does Foster Business School? Oh play into this um they don't at the moment oh they don't Uh, it's primarily foster high school stadium high school and lincoln high school okay Mm -hmm. so that's where you're running that's where the thriving elements component is running that's Mm -hmm. awesome um man that's pretty pretty interesting and then you have something else going on so (laughs) i kind of mentioned it you have a book yes so um in spring of 2016 when i started thriving elements I sat down with uh, a friend of mine for a six-hour dinner, and he kept drilling me into, like, why did you start Thriving Elements? Mm-hmm. And I told him the story, and more and more as he asked why, 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 mm-hmm. it, we got down to the heart of, like, all of my stories and yep. um, everything that I had gone through to drive me to start this nonprofit. And he said, Janet, you, you need to write a book? And I said, what? I never thought my story was even a story worth telling, let alone write a book. And, you know, since that day, I have been part of so many speaking engagements at universities, at high schools, tech conferences, Mm -hmm. um, groups and uh, different like women in STEM groups. Uh, And I don't know, I just... The, the most inspiring thing or rewarding thing for me is after those talks and after I have gone through my story, people just share about how inspiring it is. And I still, <laughs> I can kind of see it, but um, I don't know, for me, when I was going through that, I mean, you knew me during that time, you didn't know anything was going on. Yeah, no. So, and I didn't know either. <laughs> yeah, no, because you don't really know. That's what I'm saying. You don't realize. Like, you don't really know. You yeah. just go. That's your norm. Yes, yes survive Mm -hmm. right so um yeah and so the purpose of this book now is to really dive into that piece when i was surviving Mm -hmm. all the way until um i I won't spoil it for the people who will read the book but there was a um i guess a peak to when i went from surviving to then thriving. thriving And Hence the name Thriving Elements. Is, yes. that, what it, is that what it's named after? Exactly. What, okay, so mm-hmm. what are the elements? So the, the Thriving Elements, um, so part of it is that, because now we are in a mode, I'm in a mode to thrive, but I want these girls to know that they can thrive in any kind of element they're in, whether yeah. it's gender or socioeconomical right. um, element. Man, yeah. That's, yeah. That's so, cool. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so where was your first job at? Tell me about your first job. Oh, my very first job. So it was actually before was it KFC? KFC. It was before KFC. No, it was. Oh, I so I job. was a math <laughs> so mentor at, at in ninth grade to a middle school student, and I was able to get her to understand algebra. Was it algebra? Yes, algebra or some sort of math at the um, middle school, no, at the elementary school level. Okay, Thorndike. Yeah, elementary so you, school. So that's you have a history of a working with students. With kiddos. Mm-hmm. Um, when you were working at KFC, did you see? Did you envision yourself where you are now? 
No, not at all. I had no clue. Mm-hmm. So while I was working at KFC, I worked at, in high school, I worked at two different KFCs, one in mm-hmm. Federal Way, one in um, North North Pearl by Point Defiance here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's not too far from here. And um, it was, I would open up at one store. I would have um, between 4 to 5 p.m. to then travel to the other store. That was supposed to be my break. And then close at the other store. Huh. I, I didn't. I did not envision myself to uh, today be living in Switzerland, nor having a nonprofit, nor writing a book. Um, it. I mean, I truly, if I look back on it, it was about um, needing to survive yeah. and doing what I could do to be financially independent from my parents. Uh-huh. Um, and it, it was a fight. You know, you just, you just do whatever you can, and every waking minute that I was working that means I wasn't spending so I was saving this was like my my concept to myself (laughs) (laughs) and I'm not driving the car around so I don't have to worry about if I have enough (laughs) money to to, enough gas to get from point a to point b um but I mean you'll you'll see in the book um how all of that unraveled and Mm. uh you know to, to our listeners today, it's uh, any access or opportunities that people give to you or that you can create for someone. But ultimately, the opportunities that you have, you know, you get mm-hmm. out of it as much as you put into Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And you hear that all the time. It's a very simple concept. Mm-hmm. But I see so many people not taking advantage of those opportunities. Yeah, yeah. all and the time. It's really sad. But the, mo- the only thing you can really do is, like, keep continue to give it to them. Though. Or I mean, not continue to give it to them, but continue to have access. You can continue to create opportunities for the people around you. Um, for me, I will help the people who are anxious and excited and to want. help themselves yeah, and yeah, want yeah, to help for themselves. Sure. For sure. Yeah. And that's and that's that's what I'm getting at. Is like mm-hmm. there's people that always want that opportunity. There's people that won't take advantage of it, mm-hmm. but it's there. But then. Yeah. There's people that are itching and scratching and clawing for something, mm-hmm. and we just have to find them. And I think, and that's why I do Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's kind of a similar thing where it's just like, I was just telling the guys uh, last week. I was like, I'm learning from you just as much as you're learning from me because mm-hmm. there's some kids like we were in a circle. We actually had two circles, which was like always just makes my heart just go swell because I'm like, man, I. Their former players or whatever. Mm-hmm. Go, all right, we got two circles. We got a lot of people here. Oh, that's great. And they go off, and, I, and it's like, all right, Nate, you got that. Or mm. Ricky, you got that. Mm-hmm. And then they go, and I hear them talk, and it's just like, man, this is so cool. So you know? you've empowered them. Oh, yeah. That's the whole thing. The yes. whole point is to create leaders. Like, mm-hmm. it's not about me. It never exactly. has Exactly. I'm yep. sitting on a video that's like three years old. Mm-hmm. Footage that's three years old. Gabe, mm-hmm. uh, Ying, shout out to Gabe. Um, but... He shot the footage, and mm-hmm. I still have yet to make it because, and I, I have it like all, it's already almost damn near created, mm-hmm. but I don't want to put it out because that's not what it's about. It's mm-hmm. not about, like, but I also need to tell the story because it's an important story to tell, just like someone was telling you, your friend was telling you. Right. You have a story. Right. And yeah, yeah. it needs to be told. So. so, yeah, so then the purpose of that book then is for girls or and, and boys, but the target is girls because then they mm-hmm. can identify themselves with my stories, is that when these stories are being told and the, the messages and the key learnings from them, that they 
they can identify themselves in these stories mm-hmm. and say, hey, she did it. Yep. So, you know, I too can get up out of my situation mm-hmm. and do that as well. Yeah. And hopefully that to spread that message globally in different languages, audio, books. That's cool. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So what would be the, well, what would be the number one piece of information you give to like a young person who's looking to get in, break into the STEM field right now? And they might be in middle school, high school, or the parent of someone trying to break in. I don't know. What, what's been, what was the biggest attribute for you that helped you break into this field? Okay, I have two points to that. Um, So the biggest attribute for me um, was having having the good mentors. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was also, you know, to be honest, you know, what kind of field is going to get me out of my my situation Mm -hmm. where I could be financially independent and STEM fields across the board. Um, are generally higher mm-hmm. when you get out of college than in than any other field. Yeah, you know, no, not like being a lawyer is different, right? Or mm-hmm. being a doctor is different. Um, the advice that I have to our young listeners, or even listeners who are looking to change into a, a STEM mm-hmm. field, right. and even the parents, it, I think the the messaging around STEM um, is highly attributed to um, computer programming Mm -hmm. or engineering um, and these tech like these hard skills however um, I would encourage our listeners to experience the breadth of positions in these STEM fields that the students that our listeners um, would resonate with so don't think that Technology is not for you because you're bad at computer programming yeah, yeah. or you're good at it, but you hate computer programming. There's so many other things, like I mentioned earlier, um, infrastructure, cybersecurity, right. technology, program management, right. product management, uh, technology change management. And there's just yeah. so, like, whether you love people, hate people, or anywhere in between, or, um, or the different areas of technology, like, don't let... Um, what these messages today about technology mm-hmm. veer you away um, from exploring the breadth uh, of options yeah. that a technology um, or an engineering background can offer. Yeah, it's like rapping. Like, yeah. not everybody can be a rapper. There's got to yes. be a producer, there's got to be a manager, <laughs> there's got to be someone to, like, write emails and, and like... Uh, be an uh, engineer there's mm-hmm. there's all different ways that you can be in the music business but mm-hmm. right now like what I've seen in the music business or basketball like mm-hmm. everyone wants to be a player it's like mm-hmm. no you, there's other positions you mm-hmm. can be a game manager and mm-hmm. make it you can be a trainer you can be I don't know there's just all kinds of different stuff everyone wants to be the thing that they think they see or you can be a sports agent exactly like exactly. if you really love sports be a sports agent mm-hmm. you don't have to play the actual sport mm-hmm. like I don't mm-hmm. know there's just other positions in all these fields but I like that I like that piece of advice mm-hmm. um, alright well we gotta wrap up but where would people find you online they can find me at www.thrivingelements.org to learn more about uh, the nonprofit. That's a big piece of my life. They can also um, search me on LinkedIn under mm-hmm. Janet T as in Tom Fan. 
All right. Cool. Are you on IG or anything like that? Facebook or not? Yes. Uh, for <laughs> IG, it's uh, Janet.T.Fan. And we have a Thriving Elements account, so you can follow me there yeah, as well. Cool. Yeah, people are interested. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and thank you all for listening. And if you'd like to hear more content, hit the subscribe button. Um, check us out. We have plenty of different topics and real estate things and all of that other good stuff. But until next time, ladies and gentlemen, we'll see y'all later. Thank you.